hell's wrong with you? I miss my wrestling. Use your wrestling. Yes, I. I need my wrestling. All right, man, calm down. It's all good. You know why? Because you were listening to your professional wrestling fix. Follow us on Facebook at Ten Wrestling Pro Wrestling Discussions on Twitter at the Inzigiri. And catch your new episodes of the 2300 Wrestling Podcast and the Basement Dropkick on Anchor FM, Spotify, and other leading platforms. Oh, yeah. Welcome, everybody, to the 2300 Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, D.B. Richards, alongside my sweet referee, Dave Keener. Hey, how's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Hey, how you been, man? Doing good. Saw you went away. Yeah, just got home. Went to Cape May for the weekend. Yeah. Nice how, little weekend. Beautiful. It? How, it was great. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. Yeah. We'll do it again in a couple weeks. In a couple weeks. Yeah. When? Around Easter. That's not fair. You didn't invite me. Well, hey, don't worry about it. I got ideas. Trust me. I'll tell you later on. It would be nice if you invite me. Well, can you invite me? I will invite you. Okay, because I got me. ideas. Say, say invite me. Well, no, I'm going to invite just, you in July. Why? Why July? Not invite me on Easter. Well, just ask family. me right now. Just ask me. Okay, will you come for Easter? No, I can't. Okay, I, cool. I have family things. Yeah, me too. Oh, but I I have an idea for July, and I, I'll run by you later. Okay, that'll be great. All right, run, 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 run with it. Okay. Who do we have on today? Really? You look nothing like the Talking Heads. Anyway, so on today's show. Oh, we have. Is it a man? You always say it's a man. Well, is it a guy? Is it a guy from somewhere? It's a, a, a it's a wrestler. It's a wrestler. Okay, cool. You're you're getting there. Oh. I'm getting there. Could yeah. be a person. Could be a man. Oh, it couldn't be you're a man. Playing twenty questions. Yes, Maybe. we're playing twenty questions. Yes, we're trying to guess who it is. You, you want to guess who it is? Oh, who is it? Go ahead. No, good, tell. No, guess who it is. Is it Randy Hogan? It is Randy Hogan. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to Randy Hogan. See, I guessed it in a second. I'm good. No. Who is 100% U.S. male, brother? There you, there go. you go. So how you doing? Hey, man, I am great. I am great. So nice to be on here with you guys. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Anytime. No problem. Like I tell everybody that comes on to our show, you become part of the family. So you're a part of our uh, family. Well, I feel the love now, brother. I'm feeling the love. You're welcome, brother. So, did you like mm-hmm. our intro? I, I thought that was fun. It's always fun. I did. It was fun. Oh, it was yeah. fun. You guys are fun already. And we're not <laughs> even a minute into the show. Yeah. Did you like my sweet tea for him? Sweet. Yeah. He, he, he said it was sweet. See, see, see that's awesome. Oh, wait. So, shit, I can't say that. It's copyrighted. It's okay. Nobody's going to listen <gasps> to us. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I met, Believe me, I met, I've, I've gone that route too with cease and desist letters not too long ago. Oh, sure. Oh, Vince McMahon is not going to send me one because he doesn't know where well, Vince don't own it though. He doesn't. Oh, wait, is it? Is it? Cody owns it. Cody owns it. Oh, he doesn't know where I live. <laughs> So it's good. Bullet Club. Right. He bought Bullet Club. He bought Too Sweet. Oh, he copyrighted written them all. Oh, that's horrible. So let's let's start with the first question. Okay, what's the first question? Do you think um, in the wrestling business now should have a background check for promoters, wrestlers, or any other any other workers that are going to be on the show or in that area? Wow, background check. That's that's really something. I guess as a, uh, I guess it's a job, and like every other, every other employer that were to hire you, um, most of them do background checks of some kind. So um, I wouldn't be opposed to that because there's a lot of shady guys in this business, as you guys probably know already. Oh, Not yeah. only in the talent, but in the promoters and the uh, uh, the vendors and everybody else. So it's kind of a shady business. It always has been since day one. So 
So I don't think it would hurt. I don't think it would ever uh, go over, though, because there's so many little independent things, the little backyard wrestling matches and everything else that uh, I don't see how they could ever enforce that. We're trying to sw- um, sink the swamp or whatever they call it. I don't know. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> drain the swamp. Brother. That's it. Drain, drain the, swamp. the swamp. Drain the swamp. That's it. Um, <laughs> no, because recently in New Jersey, there was a promoter na- named Colin West. He has original name. He used a fake name to um, do promotions and all that. So that's the reason he why. He used a gimmick. Yeah, he used a gimmick, yes, that nobody uh-huh. knew about. And came out that um, he had five kids or something like that under the age of four, ten. To ten. Four. He did inappropriate acts with those under age. So that's the reason why we asked the question about the background check. And Yeah. I, th- um, I don't think that's a bad idea. I, th- I think, um, uh, well, I can only speak for myself. Oh, yeah. But as a talent, even even for me to work for a different vendor or promoter or whatever. Um, I don't take every, just like podcast. I don't take everyone that comes through because a lot of times you're judged by who you associate with. So rather than just get a little, uh, a little paycheck that could cost you thousands and thousands in the future, you're better off if there's an unreputable guy, um, and not doing business with them. And I think that's the same in any business. But uh, that's what I look at, too. You know, if, if I'm going to be on a podcast like yours, I check it out. I look at who they have. Uh, I look if there's any kind of uh, bad stuff going on. And same with vendors. If they want me to go to a, a, a virtual nowadays or a convention, you know, are these guys caught up in any kind of controversy or anything? So, so yeah, you got to be careful in, in any walk of life, whether it's wrestling or anything else. That like I said, true. there's good guys and bad guys everywhere. Oh, I agree. Definitely agree. Yeah, Dave's um, been in this business for how long? Uh, I've been reffing, announcing, and doing other things since I was 19. I'll be 42 in July. You do the math? Yeah. <laughs> right? Gosh, I hate math. Trust me, I, I, like, I've seen people like, oh, wow, I worked with him when he was younger. Kind of cool that he got signed. So... Yeah. But, Very cool. Well, I've been for, I don't know, <laughs> 40 years. Wow. Damn. I'm an old school guy. I, I loved, like, Jim Crockett back then. I, I loved. Yeah, um that was a great time. Right. So what was it like working in WCW back then? I loved WCW. And I was there right in the transition when, when Crockett owned it. I worked for Crockett's NWA, and then Ted Turner, you know, bought it. And I was there in the transition and continued on with WCW. And uh, it, it was a pretty good flow from one to the other. I think Crockett was more of a, a family-type feel. I'm going pretty much by the the uh, the locker room feel in that for the talent. I think it was a little more relaxed. Um, WCW, of course, was with Ted Turner was much more corporate and started going a different direction. And, and I guess it's even tighter you know in, uh, up in uh, Vince's world in WWE so but like I said Crock, uh, WCW was great to work for Crockett was great to work for um, I, I had no complaints no problems whatsoever bottom line is my check always got cashed that's all I cared about hey that's all that matters <laughs> so when you were going through the training process in the background and everything else who was your trainer Ted and Jerry Oates Columbus Georgia they were a, a brothers tag team, and they were big in the southern states and in uh, in Japan. Uh, trained uh, guys like Marty Janetti 
and uh, Bill Continental lover, Eddie Mansfield, uh, just to name a couple of that. So, but it was old school training. You learned back in like Jerry Oates owned a gym and he had an aerobics room in the back that just had a, a regular mat, gym mat on it. So you learned how to take bumps pretty much on a, uh, on a cement floor. So you learned wow. to take them right. So when you finally work your way up to finally getting and working in a ring and, uh, things it was like falling on a waterbed. It was great. So, so it was like kind of like training, like school wrestling when you were trained like that. How to do the flips and stuff like that on a regular well, yeah, like except wrestling except, Yes, it was. Um, except you're you know you don't have any ropes, but to learn right. the basics when you learn how to take a front bump and a back bump and 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 just how to lock up properly and stuff like that. You don't need ropes and you don't need things, you know. But but yes, the mats were just like a high school gym mat type. See. Except I, you're falling six, seven feet on your back. Right. I wrestled in high school, and getting trained how to do that and all, I sprained my thumb three times doing all that. Well, I'll tell you, this past September, I just had my right ankle replaced mm-hmm. because we were learning to do leapfrogs. What I was training, now this is back 35 years ago, I just came down on the side of my ankle, like I guess a basketball player would do. Oh. And evidently tore a bunch of stuff out, and I didn't know it. I mean, I just put all kinds of crap on it and taped it up and kept on going. But as you get older through the years, um, arthritis starts to set into those old things. And it got to the point where, uh, you know, I was walking with a cane, and the only way to fix it was to totally replace it. And the only one I ever heard of that had a total ankle replacement was Jimmy Snooker. Wow. Like oh. what happened? Just so, what happened with LeBron James? Oh, he did the same thing. He went yeah. up, came down, and completely sprained his ankle. He's got high ankle sprains. Yep. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my ankle's stuff. not number so, one either. So you just got to watch how you do your oh, up and downs. Yeah, but they were. Uh, it was just a freak thing, you know. Uh, just training. I didn't have boots or anything. I just had like tennis shoes on and that, and and uh, so that's what happened. So every time I wrestled, I had a uh, like a lace up brace under my boot just to give it extra support. And that's how I got through all the years wow. until I got really old. And then, uh, like I said, arthritis set in and the pain was, I, I didn't have any type of a normal life anymore. So, so I had the ankle replaced, which brought up a set of other problems, but the ankle is great now. So wow, that, that for all them years. Wow. Right. You're a tough son of a bitch. Right <laughs> Holy shit. Man. <laughs> well, you don't have any choice. You know, you, you gotta go. You, 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 if you're booked for a match, you pretty much, unless you're dying, you show up. Right. Because if you don't show up, and even if you cancel the last minute and they sold some tickets, or even if it's just a little indie show, a little high school or something like that, you don't show up, uh, you don't get called back. So yeah. job security, just like when you're doing uh, WCW or something. You know, right. you don't bitch, you don't complain. If you get hurt, you get slapped, you get chopped, whatever else. You thank the guy for the match, and you just go on and lick your wounds. So, God rest, uh, Jim Crockett. Did you ever get a chance to talk to him? Yeah, quite a bit. I, I heard Jim Crockett he, was a really awesome guy. He was, a, how can I put it, just like a true Southern gentleman. You know, I never saw him get flustered or excited or anything else. Soft-spoken. <clears throat> you know, now I don't know he. I don't know what he was like in the boardroom or anything. But as far as, uh, you know, his interaction with uh, the town. with us, whether it be the over guys, you know, the uh, the big guys or just us little guys, he was just always very, uh, very respectful, very, very calm, very friendly. 
called you by your first name. I mean, it was great. Even David Crockett. David Crockett was a little bit stuffier than Jim Crockett was because, uh, you know, David did all the announcing and everything. Yeah, right. Like uh, him and uh, Tony Schiavone at the time. And Tony was always very cordial. So they were, uh, yeah, it, it, it just, like I said, it was just a very comfortable atmosphere from all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the big good. names, uh, the big, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was like, I hear good things with a lot of promoters. Like, a lot of people talk good about um, Paul Heyman and ECW. People talk good yeah. about, about um, Stephanie McMahon and Shane. Um, Bill Watts. Bill Watts. We hear good things, and this is the first yeah. time I heard a Jim Crockett story that how he acted. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I mean, Randy, the Jim Crockett promotions and stuff like that back then, which was really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like I said, I was... Uh... Uh, I have nothing negative. I had no negative experiences at all with them or with WCW, either one. Um, you know, you get to see a different side of a lot of the talents. You know, I grew up as a fan. And, uh, you know, like my first time doing TV or whatever, I'm like a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> I mean, I walk into a locker room. Yeah, I mean, I'm, imagine you, you walk into a room, locker room. You don't know anybody. You're scared to death. And you look around, and there's Ricky Steamboat, and uh, and Flair is there, and uh, the Midnight Express, and the Rogue Warriors, and Larry Zbysko, and Jimmy Cornette, and you're just looking at Jerry Funk. You look around, and here's all these big stars, and you just want to get autographs, which you know you got to be cool, and you can't do. But uh, it's just quite a quite an exciting feeling um, at times, and then. As you go back, if you're invited back time and time again, you get to work and to know these guys. And they loosen up and they become, most of them become pretty friendly. Um, at least they'll talk to you and have a conversation with you and call you by your real name. Some of them are kind of stuck on themselves and uh, didn't really want to do that because they were above that. But uh, again, like any other job, you got guys you like, you got guys you don't. You know, if you do what the boss tells you to do, you got job security. You just do what you're told and shut up and Listen. cash your check. Right. Yeah. If right. you want to rock the boat or you want to bitch and whine and complain about this, and that and everything else, all of a sudden you don't show you're not there no more. And that's what happened with uh, Crockett's NWA. The difference between that and WCW, he knows the same guys. Um, Crockett believed in the in in the um, in the jobbers role. In other words, um, you didn't have to really be a good wrestler at the time. All you had to be was pretty much a piece of meat in all your matches. That was it. Well, when Turner bought it, um, uh, Jim Hurd and Bischoff and all those guys came in, and they wanted guys that knew how to wrestle, guys that were actually trained to wrestle. So you could get in there with a uh, Brad Armstrong or a Ricky Steamboat and technically wrestle with them. And at the same time, you could get in there with the Rogue Warriors or Vader or Abdul the Butcher, and you could have them just totally annihilate you. So you could swim in any pond. Again, job security. So when Crockett uh, sold, uh, you'll find a lot of the guys who were doing jobs at that time uh, never came to WCW because they didn't know how to work. They couldn't work a match. Mm. So there was a, a few of us, me and uh, George South and, and half a dozen other ones that uh, made it through the audition, I guess. And George South is still there, wrestling, you know, too. Is he? He sure is. He's, he's, he's got a NWA. Carolina. Yeah. George South is still there with the NWA. You know who he's teaming up with? Colby Carino. Oh, is he? Him and Colby have been doing stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. George, really cool. George, was the, George was the jobber's jobber back in the day. You know, <laughs> I, tra- I used to travel with, with, with him a lot, him and Gary Royal. 
And uh, he, um, of course, he had a lot of good stories. But again, technically, he was a really good wrestler. And you didn't see that on TV. All you saw on TV was um, just the squash matches and that. Uh, the feather in his cap was when they did the uh, the matchmaking. The bookies did it. A lot of the the over guys, the stars, had to say so who they worked. Flair always wanted to work George South on TV in that because he always knew George would give him a good match and uh, would look reputable. And I was that way with Jimmy Cornette and the Midnight Express. They always wanted to work with me because I was. I could take a fall from anywhere. I don't care. Do whatever you want to me. You know, that was my attitude because I, I never really got hurt taking a, a fall. So they could try all kinds of stuff. Um, and the same with uh, with Sting. You know, Sting would give you a little bit, not much at the time. And then, of course, he was teaming up with Luger, who would give you nothing. But uh, I don't I don't know if Luger knew how to sell if he would give you something. <laughs> but uh um, but those guys, like I said, I, uh, they like to work with me. I worked with them and Barry Windham and Cornette and every faction of the Midnight Express there was, um, including the original, which was Dennis Condry and uh, um, Randy Rose and Bobby Eaton was throwing and Paul Heyman or Paul E. Dangerously at the time. He was managing them. And, and then Cornette had his faction, which was Bobby Eaton and then Condry joined and then Randy Rose joined and then Stanley Lane. I think, which was the best combination, uh, was part of the Express. And I got to work all of them. So it was, it was just a wonderful time for me. Now I see them on conventions once in a while, and some of them remember some of us, and some of them don't remember me. And But uh, we, we have a good time talking on that, and we got a few of them coming up with guys that I worked a lot with. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so, Randy, with your time spent in the uh, business, do you have any pet peeves you'd like to share with us? Peeves? You mean with today's product? You could do today's product. Yeah, you could today's be... product. Yeah, I really don't have a. I mean, I, I love the business. I was half since I was about seven or eight years old. You know, born and raised in uh, in Detroit with guys like the Sheik and Dick the Bruiser and Killer Kowalski and. Uh, you know, I got to see Buddy Rogers and the original Gorgeous George and, and all these names. So I was raised on that and was a fan my whole life before I got into the business. Um, so I'm definitely ingrained with the old school mentality. Um, when you had you had champions, you know, you had the Buddy Rogers and Bruno San Martinos and, of course, Flares and uh, even Hulk Hogan. You know, these guys were champions, world champions for years and years. Now it seems like the titles are changing every few months. You know, they don't have one standout star who could be considered a world champion. Um, a lot of that, I think, is because of the uh, uh, the Internet and everything. Um, the territories, which Vince gobbled up, and now there's no more the uh, the regional territories, the Crockett-type situations. Uh, and along with that is there's no real storyline. You know, there used to be feuds and storylines that would go on a year at a time in the old days, and you got to follow them um, sometimes city to city and state to state, and, and they didn't have the internet, but you had the dirt sheets once in a while that you could read and, and find out the results and that. But that doesn't happen anymore. There's so many different champions, and and they're always changing, and who's the next big guy? And, and Vince kind of, I guess, from what I understand, he really took it personally when guys like Hogan, Bret Hart, when they left. 
he spent a lot of money building these guys up into what they were, and then they left them. And when they did that, it hurt his business mm -hmm. because he used to build the business around whoever that world champ was. So he, you know, just took the way of, uh, well, I'm not going to put my association, I'm not going to build it around any one champion anymore. I'm going to build the product and not have it tagged to one person. So um, that's why I think you see a lot of different guys coming and going. And, and you know, guys, take Ricochet, okay? He's a small guy. He's good. But he was up there, you know, fighting Lesnar in that for, uh, for a world title. And now, you know, he's just like jabbing out, you know, lower mid-card stuff. Um, so, so I, I have a pet peeve with stuff like that, that there are no storylines. There's no one coming up that's going to take the, uh, take the industry by storm anymore. So how do you feel about social um, media? Do you feel like that's helping the business or hurting the business or some storylines are going through social media these days? I think both. I think first of all, there's, of course, there's a lot of spoilers out there yeah. and, and that's got to hurt ticket sales. At the uh, at the regular shows, and if it hurts the ticket sales, then it hurts the the wrestlers, the independents especially. Oh yeah. So that's uh, in that way, it's a bad thing. It's a good thing because it gives a lot of exposure to the business. Mm -hmm. It gives a lot of exposure to kids or younger people, people that can't afford to go to a show. Uh, when it is in their town uh, to see the WWE or AEW or whoever comes there because the tickets are, you know, 20, 30, 40, $50 a piece and uh, they can't afford it. So it used to be a blue collar type of a, a neat event, okay, of a, of a sport where anybody could go and, and you know, back in the 50s and stuff, if you probably saw pictures, you know, they used to just like boxing. They were, they dress up to go to these events, shirts and ties and that. Even a smoky filled room and stuff. But <laughs> nowadays it's just, uh, everything is so technical. And uh, so I, I think the internet has done good for the exposure of the business and it's bad for the same reason yeah, because certainly. of the exposure to the business. Yeah, there's, 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 like, there's, like I was saying, we go to these, there, there's a company around here right outside of Pennsylvania in Williamson, New Jersey called H2O. We love, we love what they mm -hmm. do and everything else, but I want to know how they got to the ladder match, you know? Yes. I, they're, I know. they're a base of a yeah. deathmatch right. company, so but, they don't have real stories building up yeah. to why... They're having a death match. It's it's annoying. Yeah. There's no build up, and that's what we're talking about. No it, build up in wrestling. It goes back to WrestleMania ten ladder match. Sean mm -hmm. and Razor. Mm -hmm. Okay, we know how Sean and Razor got to that. Like I want to know how these two guys got into a ladder match with dumb taxes. All that. How did we get there? I think a lot of your indie groups now too. Whoever I I don't know. A, a lot of people that are running these promotions shouldn't be running them because either they don't have a background, or they don't have the insight, um, or just the logic and common sense. Like you said, start a feud and then build it up the next month and the next month. So you know, have your have your your matches and your card booked and your storylines booked. You know, three, four, five, six months in advance. You know, to get from a point A to point B, and these guys just don't do that. Like you said, they're just all of a sudden, okay, here's a ladder match. Well, right. gee, okay, where'd that come from? <laughs> but the one thing I do love about the indie shows, I I will work for like if I was 
when back when I was managing, um, we would have the show and I would see the same guys who worked two weeks ago at a different company. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so what do you want to do tonight? We'll do the same thing we did two weeks ago. It's a different crowd. And it worked. And mm. we kept doing stuff like that because it was over and it worked. Nobody realized it was the same match we had three weeks ago. And I think about mm-hmm. indie companies, like they need to work together. So let's say you have a champion, let's say a woman's champion, and then they're on a different show. Why are you going to see her lose? You know right. what I mean? Because now she lost. Correct. And she's on a different show. Boom, she's champion. She's champion. Now it makes but me these look. Promoters, these small promoters are too busy fighting each other than working together. And, and and sharing talent and sharing champions and stuff, they're they're not interested in building as the business anymore, um, and that's one of the big problems. You know, it used to be kind of like Vince McMahon, but he kept himself to the Northeast, yeah. senior and junior. You know, and then down in the South, when you had the NWA, you had all kinds of guys like Watts and Crockett and and all of them, but they'd all work together. You know. Uh, Harley Race, Ric Flair, they would be all over the place, different states and whatever else, still as a world champion uh, traveling. But like you said, they worked together and they weren't a champ here and, and a chump somewhere else. So Yeah, I, it, it makes me mad. Like I, I'm watching these promoters now. I'm talking about the Jersey-based promoters. They're all fighting each other. They're not getting along. Yes. And it's annoying. And I'm a wrestling fan. One one promoter said, um, if you go to this one show, don't come to my show. And I'm like... Like, if you buy tickets for that show, like it was like, okay, if you bought tickets for USWA, don't buy tickets for Mid-South. It's like, why? Like, <laughs> we're fans. We should go. Don't put us in your drama. It's it's hurting us. It's, but, hu- it's hurting. But they do. And vendors are the same way. You know, I just do conventions and stuff. Now, it's the same way. You know, you got the some of the New York vendors against the New Jersey vendors and they're, they're going back and forth and, and they're not trying to build a product in that area. It's like uh, they're fighting. And if you work for this one, you can't work for that one. And, you, and if you work here, you can't work there. And it's, it's the same thing as you said, you know, with the, uh, the different promoters and, and stuff and the talent always gets caught right in the middle. Yeah. So and that hurts. It really hurts. And now it's, it's, it's so rough with the, with the coronavirus and, you know, things are easing up a little bit now, but before, you know, the, the rules were changing state to state, week to week, you know, month to month. So it was hard to play and, and a lot of things had to be canceled out. Um, yeah. even talent, you know, flying state to state, you know, oh, yeah. this one, you got to have a, uh, you, you got a quarantine for 14 days. Well, they're not going to do that. Um, or you got to have a, a test, uh, 72 hours now before you board the flight. Well, sometimes it takes longer than that to get your results back. Oh yeah. So, I just, and then in some states, like we're down here in Florida where, you know, we open the doors to everybody. We don't care. Come on in. So <laughs> I just, I just told anyway. them I eat some limes and lemons and I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, I got all my vaccines and everything else. And I, I had just a light case of coronavirus back in November and uh, it just felt like a, a little cold, you know, kind of achy for a couple of days, and that mm-hmm. was about it. But uh, but actually, it was just before a show, and I had to uh, uh, to reschedule that, which I did. And uh, happy you're okay. But, now. Uh, but, so that was a oh yeah yeah. Like I said, this goes back since November, and uh, then when they start opening up the vacation, the, the vaccination, God, it's like forever trying to get an appointment. So. I live in a uh, in a community that uh, is large enough. They actually brought. We had our own little like a private vaccination thing. They came in here and did it for us. So 
we didn't have to stand in line too much or anything. So oh. it worked out well. So like I said, I'm uh, virus free and vaccinated for a while. So I'm good to go. There you go. That, that makes it all easier for all of us. One day Absolutely. at a time. One day at a time. That's so I want to change. All you can do. I want to change this one question up. So I always ask you, what was the best advice um, someone given you? But I want to get get from you. What is the best advice you can give any of these young kids out there trying to get in the business? What, what kind of advice would you give them? First of all, realize that it's a shady business. Correct. Or it can be. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking to be trained, don't just go down the street to some guy who's got a ring in his backyard that's never been nowhere and wants to take your uh, $500 or $5,000 and say, I'll make you a wrestler. You know, do your research, do your homework. Who have they trained? Where have they been? What are their credentials? Um, an untrained guy training an untrained guy is either going to injure him or he's just going to lose that money. So there's enough reputable schools all around the country and uh, and wrestlers that run these schools that uh, doing your homework will save you a lot of trouble. Second of all, get equipment. Now, initially, when you start training for the first three or four months, if it's good training, wear what you want. But before you step foot in that ring for a real match, you better have real boots. You better have real trunks at the very least. There's no place in this business, in my point of view, for cut-off blue jeans and T-shirts and tennis shoes and stuff like that. Not professional wrestling. That's backyard indie stuff. And if that's all you would want to do, then, you know, don't complain when you're making maybe $20, $25 a match and happy to get it. If you want to have a chance of getting anywhere, you it's as much it's as important how you look as it is how you work uh, and your attitude. So look like a wrestler. That also means get in the gym. If you're 160, 170, 175 pounds, I would give a second consideration even trying to get into it. Because you're not going to go nowhere except these little empty shows. You know, build yourself up, do it naturally, hopefully as you can. But, you know, at least get over that 200-pound mark, 205 mark, and some kind of some kind of uh, muscle or whatever. There's very few guys that look like uh, uh, Keith Lee or uh, Kevin Owens or, or guys like that that aren't muscled up anymore. Uh, the business has changed that way. So you've got to have a look. you got to have the attitude. you got to have the look. And the look goes down to your equipment. So that's the best advice I can give. Get trained by somebody who knows what they're doing, research them. And when you're about ready for a match, be sure you have proper equipment. If you want to call yourself a professional, you got to look and act professional. And that's about the best I can do right now. That is awesome advice. I really enjoyed it. I was like, wow. I mean, that's a start. That's a start. And if they have all that, then when they do these little shows, every once in a while, somebody's going to see you. And they're going to put the word in the ear of somebody who knows somebody else. And then somebody else is going to know somebody at AEW or NXT or whatever else. And somebody's going to look at you. And then they're going to invite you to a tryout. And you'll do a dark match and get squashed. But if you show what you're what you know and you look the role and you have a good attitude it's that's how you get the job that's your interview like any other job be prepared and if you're not prepared and if you don't look like 
you want that position, whether you're a salesman or whatever, you're not going to get the job. Perceive your, be perceived in the position before you get it. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't care if you work at McDonald's, you know, mm-hmm. if you're working the line of McDonald's, you have to be perceived to be management material before they're going to make you a manager and before these professional organizations are going to take a shot at you even in an interview process uh, you're gonna have to prove yourself they're gonna have you're gonna have to put yourself in that position where they're willing to put their money out, put their time out in uh, pushing you to the next level. So you go from a handshake and a hot dog into a, a million dollars a year, you know, in a 10 year period. And it can happen to any of them, but there's a road you got to take. Now it's fist bumps and a hot dog and maybe a hamburger. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we never got a hamburger and half, half the time we didn't get the hot dog. You know, we got a handshake. No, no, and it's more like an yeah, elbow got, bump. We, we got a fist bump. Yeah. Either. Small crowd this week. Yeah. Small crowd. We'll make it up to your next show, which never happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I, but that's like, I, I go to part of the learning. It's funny. It's funny. Me and Dave, we were like the, um, the two old guys from the Muppets. We, we heckled the crowd and we have some fun. <laughs> and, um, so um, there's a wrestler in the ring. I was like, get the hot dog in the handshake before you do this match. It's just little ribs back and forth, and it's fun. You okay? Well, the crowd is the, the crowd is important, too, because we feed off of that. You know, even okay. even in WCW or, or uh, WWE, I mean, you feed off the crowd, and, and you've got your basic storyline that you're going to do or or you've got your your start and your finish of course we used to call everything in the ring you know nothing ever is choreographed as they say but uh that changes the direction sometimes uh especially when a heel is getting heat from some little old lady out in the front row or something else you know you got to recognize that and you play off of her and then the crowd gets behind her next thing you knew it that heel's getting all kinds of heat and that's what you want that's the enthusiasm because dave Dave's Which, been in business like constantly, and like we tell wrestlers, we tell wrestlers, come over, push Dave, do something, go make ahead. the crowd go. What? What the hell's going on? Why is he attacking a crowd fan? Because they don't know Dave from yeah. whatever. Punch him, do something, mm-hmm. push him right. to the ground. Yeah, get yourself over. Nobody Have does. I'll plant. No problem with it. Like hit me. I was like, yeah, hey, go ahead, hit him. Don't hit me. I'm not a wrestler. But <laughs> but um. <laughs> It's all ring psychology. It's all psychology. You know, you gotta. It's it's all telling a story, and sometimes that uh, uh, you jump chapters, but that story uh, there's a start and there's a finish to it, and what's in between is what brings the fans back, or uh, eh, just another crappy show. I'll save my five or ten bucks and go somewhere else. Yeah, loses the enthusiasm, and that's the hard part. Is the wrestlers are in charge of keeping up the enthusiasm. You know, the promoters are in charge of selling the tickets. Correct. The the talent is the one that is in charge of bringing people back. Yes. By the quality of matches and the story and and the ability to get the crowd involved in their matches, which is part of ring psychology. Which a good trainer will take time and actually try to teach that. You know, other than. Uh, than just uh, how to take a bump or lock up correctly. There's so many different aspects of the business that people don't realize. Yeah, because I, I tell I tell the wrestlers, dude, I can totally act and make it look like I'm trying to help Dave up. And- right. Oh, I'll do it. Like, but my whole thing is what I love doing now is making them break. Oh, dude. Mm-hmm. Breaking like, the wrestlers in the ring? Oh. Like the promoters, like they'll walk up to us and they'll go keep doing it. 
keep doing it. Like you're getting the crowd the heat because we're like literally mm-hmm. heckling the guys in the ring. But what crowd? So, had, well, that's one show. What crowd? It was all family. Was yeah. No, 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 no. Christian Ross. Oh yeah. So we we have a mutual friend named Christian Ross who is a wrestler and like his name is the full time boss. So we get the whole crowd chanting full time jobber. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. and he walks up to us at the end. We'll go back and talk to him. He's like, dude, you guys fucking rock. You keep doing it. I'm like all right. I'm like get in my face next time. Push me. Mm-hmm. Like like. Facepalm me. Do something. Go ahead. Don't be afraid. We're, we're saying fun. yes. I know how to take it. It's like, dude, my brother's Mike Keener. <laughs> I had to do that once. Oh, God. Mike. He's going to start asking for royalty soon. Oh, is he? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> but no, Mike, Mike he, Keener was a referee for ECW. Back he still refs every now and then, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about Terry Funk, the wrestlers in WCW. Hi, George. And um, hey. George, George's mom, like George Palerino, his mom drove wrestlers around ECW, Philadelphia area, everywhere, every time she can. Um, her name was Mel. When she they were in the Philadelphia area. Yeah, she passed away maybe a couple, two years ago and all that. Three. Three years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Three years Three ago. years last week, right? Last, last month. month. No, we're close. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He sleeps month. all the time anyway so george george like it was kind of funny because she told me she's like i know eddie guerrero i know this person this person for somebody that just met his mom i'm like okay short like you know people like like thinking like oh yeah you know everybody awesome but literally she (laughs) did because like she talked to terry funk all time and when i heard terry funk scream out where's my daughter at and i'm like what (laughs) and like I, i see her go dad because that's what they did. They they called each other father and daughter. You know what I mean? They're not related, but that's yeah. what they did. Because they were mm-hmm. everywhere together. It's funny because I was there, you know, back then when my brother was there, you know, but I never ran into George. Oh, no, nobody ran into George. Well, no, he said he was behind in the concessions doing. Oh, yeah. So, but I don't remember. But, like, it's so cool. Like, the people that help you wrestlers around, like, driving you place to place or giving you maybe a spot to sleep at when you're on the road, a lot of people forget about them. Right. The ones that helped. Sure. The, but the ones that get them where they're going. Yes. And I, like, oh, yeah. It's the same with the cameraman or anything else. You know, yeah. they're, they're, right. they're the unsung heroes. Have you had one when you went to state, um, somebody that drove you to place to place back then? Um, occasionally, like from the airport to the hotel or something, that was about the extent of it. We did that. Um, because we were, we we were very seldom in the same area. You know, we'd be states away, you know, day to day. And very seldom do we have uh, three or four nights where we go like from, uh, in the Carolinas, you go from Greensboro and you go to Charlotte and then you go to Atlanta places that were, uh, you know, drivable. Uh, They didn't have the routing done that well. So, you know, we may be in uh, uh, Atlanta doing TV on Wednesday and Friday we're up in Michigan doing something. And then uh, Tuesday night we're back in Greensboro. So it's just uh, run down. So you don't get the same same people. Uh, a lot of times you're all on a bus. You know they have a bus. You know the bus and the bus takes you to the places. But yes. uh, very very seldom did did we ever have a uh, uh, I'll tell a you person just to drive us. I'll and we never this. stayed at anybody's house. I'll tell you this right now. You have friends right here in Delaware and Pennsylvania. If you ever get stuck and you can't find a ride, just give us a call. You have my number. I'm going to call you for a ride whether I get stuck or not. Okay, that would be awesome. We can and, have and some you've got to do all the way down to North Carolina again. 
Because uh, right now, talking about road trips now, we're going to talk about road trips. So do you have any funny road trips you ever had in the business? You know, I kind of think of those. And, and I, I really don't have anything which is lucky and unlucky that, that jumps out that was really off the wall, you know. Um, we had extremely long drives. In fact, I mentioned like Atlanta to Detroit. Now, we didn't fly or nothing else. There was four of us jobbers um, in a little Ford Escort, <laughs> and we drove halfway up and stayed in a Motel 6, which you take the mattress off the box springs, and two guys are on the box springs, and two guys are on the mattress. I mean, that's the uh, uh, that's the, the glory life of being on the road, you know, for uh, for the uh, the enhancement for the jobbers back in the day. So you, you drive for... Uh, eight, nine, ten hours, and you go to Golden Corral and fill up on food for as cheap as you could, and and then you're on a lumpy uh, bed trying to sleep, which is almost impossible, and then you're back in that little Ford Escort, and you're driving another 10 or 12 hours up to uh, central or northern Michigan, and then you got to drive all the way back down again, so uh, they're not all glorious. You know, it's not like we had the the, the, the plane flights and we had uh, uh, the liquor going on and, and the fights going on in the back and that. We just didn't experience that, or I didn't. And I guess that's kind of fortunate in a way. You know, you hear some, some real stories that, uh, you know, that, that happen with people, and a lot of it costs them their jobs. It costs them their health and everything. Yeah, yeah, so um, it's, it's a crazy bunch. Because, like, I do, I do Lyft and Uber, and I have tons of stories of customers from going mm, place bet. to place. And um, recently, it was me um, driving around Middletown, Delaware, and the first thing that came to mind was dropping this person off we talked about i used to work at amazon so we talked i talked to this guy about amazon and he goes oh i used to work there i will never work there again that's like the same here i will never work there again plus i took the buyout so i will never go there again anyway so after that mm-hmm. the next person i picked up i'm taking her to amazon Middletown. i'm like what the heck is going on here like this is a, like back-to-back rides here i'm like this is kind of creepy so we're driving and i was mm-hmm. like talking to her about working at amazon how does she like it and all that stuff and just talking i'm like looking around oh my gosh this town just got different like they put more buildings around they put houses and all that stuff and i'm like talking about i'm like this was empty when i worked here and Mm. and i was like oh my gosh i have a friend that i loved um hanging out with his name is art and art was this and that and i was like oh my gosh i should call my friend james i called james up i was like guess where i'm at I'm dropping somebody off at Amazon. Your job, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, no, cool. And then out for nowhere, I picked up an all guy. No, 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 I started driving before that. And I picked up a guy, his name's Justin. And I'm like, dude, I know this. I know this, this area. This is Art's neighborhood. Am I picking up Art? Wait, I'm looking at the picture and I'm like, no, I'm picking up Art's son, Justin. And out for nowhere, I'm like, this is creepy. I rolled down the window. Excuse me, are you Art's son? He goes, yeah. Can you go get him for me? And like, he's like, yo, your friend's outside, Dave. And he jumped out of the chair so fast. Justin's telling me he never saw his dad jump out of the chair that fast in his life. He runs out the door. Cool. He sees me getting out of the car. Out of nowhere, a big giant hug. And then, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this has never happened to me ever again. Me talking That's about great. Art. Art Hall? Art Hall, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, it just went boom, boom, boom. 
everything. And then my ride, my last ride was going back home. So it was like, this will never happen to me again. It's like, you say something about somebody, boom, everything just happened combined together. Mm-hmm. It was, it does. that was a fun story and a fun moment because that never happens to me. Right. When you bring mm-hmm. up people's names, boom, you're, oh my gosh, you're right there. So mm-hmm. James, James is not here now. He, he left. He had to get back home, but he was on the phone the whole time. And I'm like, this is just weird. I'm at Art's house. <laughs> but that's one of the stories I could say about lifting Uber that never happens. That are allowed. Oh, really? oh yeah, that was fun. So Ooh. what's the next question you want to talk about? Oh, you want to do that one? You want to do that one? So, yeah, I would love to do this one. Um, So this is a fun little fact thing. It's called Questions of Doom. Five questions mm-hmm. of Doom. So oh, every question that's in this is non-related to wrestling. Is that? I okay. So they're non-related questions. So it's like, it's a little bit fun. You know what I mean? So I'm going to pull out a little show me later. Wait okay. a minute. So Wait a minute. You want to start? Uh, you, wanna, you forgot something. You're going to say five questions of Doom, right? Well, yeah, I can. You want me to? Yeah. But what did I forget? You forgot to let me do the intro. Oh, I was going to let you do the intro. Well, gonna... let me do the intro. Oh, my gosh. Are you going to do this again? No, you can. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> do the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the five questions of doom. Did you get a little chills? <laughs> I got a little chills. My, my... Yeah, man, I got goosebumps. <laughs> you, you forgot to play the music, George. I know. What is that the right one? What you? No, no, not that one. No, I don't know which one it is. You did. You did it all it's wrong. The right one, I think. Is it the right it's one? The right one. Yeah, but you gotta turn it up. Oh, you turn... oh, oh. Five questions of doom. I really want to try to record that into that so you don't have to do it all Yeah, well, it doesn't hurt my voice. I'm used to it. (laughs) So back in the day, you know, life was great when you woke up on Saturday morning. Eight o'clock and hear you honking out in front of my house. Yeah, stuff like that. Do you have a favorite Saturday morning cartoon when you were a kid? Popeye. Popeye. You know, you know, Mm -hmm. so thing, I just recently um, looking around my uh, boomerang app and all that, and I saw... Popeye, and I was like, I am going to watch all of them. <laughs> so, One of my favorite Robin Williams movies. Popeye was a great movie. I really Robin was. Williams, Shelley yeah, Duvall. Was. I enjoyed that, yeah. absolutely. It was it was fun. I enjoyed it. it was... Question number oh, question two. two. You trying to go old school? Yeah, I'm trying to go old school. Because, like, I'm not going to bring... Because, like, Goosebumps and Afraid of Dark, that's more yeah, okay, 90s. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? So, do you have a favorite board game? I'm waiting for him to say Ouija. <laughs> Back in the day, it was probably Monopoly. Oh, that was fun. I loved it when you took other people's money when you put a house there. Do oh. you do that anyway? No, I do. Question number three. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you if you had your own movie out there coming out, who would you like to see play you? Um, the Rock. There you go. I'm down with that. Dwayne Johnson, yeah. Because it would be my movie, and he would bring in lots of money. Have you watched his uh, TV show yet? Uh-huh. Every week. Yeah, I watch it. It's great. And, and it's funny because the, fact, guy, the guy playing Shiki looks like Shiki did back then, and, and it's pretty cool. Oh, I, mean, I, I know. I'm doing, a, I'm doing a convention with him in Atlantic City. Yeah, I saw that. In June, him and I both. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the guy playing The Rock's father actually looks like Rocky Johnson. Very similar. Yes, he right. does. Right. They, they did a good job on putting Oh, yeah. And the guy playing Andre the Giant. You ever see the movie We Are the Millers? Mm-hmm. Yes. He was in We Are the yeah. Millers. Mm-hmm. Oh, was he? Yeah. Now he's a big tall guy with the gun. 
Yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. Question so, number four. Okay, this is this is one of the biggest things out there. Everybody has a fight against these Besides George's head? So they, they these two characters, they were in a um, movie, but they had to have the same lines in one of the movies. So the movie is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but the characters had the same had to have the same like um word like same number of words. You know what I mean? In the um the, the script, if they didn't, both sides didn't want to be together. So who do you like better, Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse? I kind of like Bugs. One. Yeah, I got I got a Bugs um, Bunny little stuffed animal. The only movie to ever come out that was by both Warner Brothers and Disney was yep. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Correct, and they had to have the same amount of words, or the other person will got mad. God rest Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Oh, of course. Now I live in Orlando, and Disney World's right down the street here, so I was just you know, there I'm a little bit December. sick of Mickey. I heard that's mm-hmm. where everybody goes to retire in wrestling. That's what Mike Tobin Mike told uh, Not only retire, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys live down here. A lot of them. Hulk Hogan's oh, they have home down here. I thought yeah, Hogan was there uh, right down the road, and. And Bill DeMott lives right here, mm-hmm. who used to be Hugh Morris. And, yeah. the, and the Pog trainer. guy, see Alex Porto, he's here. Cena's got a house here. Mm-hmm. Um, Shockmaster, you know, Fred Ottman, he lives here. Barry Horowitz, he lives right here. Um, They're all right in Orlando, like everybody. It's like the wrestling capital yeah, of the world. Like Dustin I, Dustin <laughs> Runnels just uh, he's got a got a house here uh, also. And then he opened a, he open his own uh, school down there too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's there's quite a few schools. The Dudley Boys have a school here. Right. Larry Zabisco and Scott Hall have a school here. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of reputable schools around. But but yes, it's uh, everybody comes down for the sunshine when you get old, you know. So is that where we're gonna go when we retire? Sure. I would okay. hope so. Cool. Come cool. down here. Living in a in, in a senior citizen mobile home park, and and learn how to play shuffleboard, and and go to the store on a golf cart, and everything. That's what play it's all about. every night. You got a golf cart? Yeah. I want yes. one. I, want I got one. one. I got one in the campground too. Oh my gosh, um, I want one. Can I ride? Are you it? ready? Can I ride it in the campground? Sure. Cool. When we get down there, can can I get a um like a putter or something like that? And just... Well, maybe we'll figure it out. Okay, cool. But you ready? Yeah. The last question. Question number five. What was your dream car? Dream car. Corvette. What year? 69. Oh, beautiful car. So It had the hatchback look, but the rear window had a, was split. That's nice. Mm. Instead of solid. Had the middle bar in the middle and took it off to the glass. Yeah, beautiful yep. car. Mm. Yeah. That was our five questions of doom. How did you like it? Yeah, that was easy. A lot of people took them forever to answer because I don't. Well, a lot of us, we got so many turnbuckles to the head and we get old and forgetful. It takes a while to have everything uh, swirl around the brain before the answers come out, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, my, my friend Chris Hamrick, who lives in, uh, where's he at now, Tennessee? Mm-hmm. He's somewhere in Tennessee now. And he's like, you think mm-hmm. I remember that shit? You know how many times I got hit in the goddamn head with a steel chair? But yet he told me the story <laughs> right. between him and Ricky Morton when Ricky Morton took a shit in his bag. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That's so horrible. It's funny, though. So we have a mainstay question on the show that we like to ask, and we call it the table of five. Oh, table of five. So you're the fifth person at the table, and who would you like to sit with? Four other people, past, present, dead or alive, in the industry, not in the industry. Who would you like to sit at the table with and just, you know, have a beer, drinks, you know, just socialize with? (coughs) Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Great one. 
Uh, the original Sheik, Dick the Bruiser, oh. Jimmy Cornette. And that's it. That's four. Yep. You're the fifth person. Fifth person. Awesome. And I'm the fifth one, I guess. Okay. Yep. Yep. You're the fifth person. Man, that was the quickest we had anybody ever answer that. Yeah. <laughs> that no, there were there were a few head. ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. So, um, when you're working out, what kind of workout music did you listen to? I like classic rock. Me too. Being older, yeah, yeah. Not, not the real heavy stuff, but stuff like Journey and Foreigner and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I had to throw some Chicago in there. Twenty-four. Oh, Chicago's my number one group forever. Oh my gosh, they're so amazing! I remember all the horn groups: Chicago, uh, uh, Lighthouse, Tower of Power, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. All those groups. That, that that was one of the questions for five questions. Do I didn't? I would love to pull that one out, but um, you should have. Yeah, I should have. It's fun, but I would love to have Randy on here again at some point. I definitely agree. Yeah, definitely. Right. Maybe more towards June where he can come on and talk to us about Boardwalk Buds, which he'll be at in Lenox City. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be great. That's right. And the fifth is my birthday. Happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Happy early birthday. Happy Happy June. birthday. Fifth of June. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say it now because I'm just thinking I'm gonna be in Facebook jail again. 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 And You're again, gonna get fucking banned again. anyway, so dude, like somehow like my my I got banned for um saying that um somebody said tuck Trump. I, I had to say I'm all about people trying to not sugarcoat don't sugarcoat right. things. If you do that, I'll make mm-hmm. you look like a fool. So I was like, haha, you spelled fuck wrong. And um I got banned for um thirty days. Thirty days for that and, and I thought <laughs> that was stupid. It was more comedy than anything. I went, ha ha he banned me for bullying. So I was out for thirty days, so I have nine days left. So I, I bet I'll be out in Facebook jail again for maybe saying like computers get viruses too. I got hit with that one. So <laughs> like I say things and P and it just bans me. And I'm like, I go on Twitter, I say this stuff, and I don't get banned. I don't know what's wrong with the world. So it looks like I have to play with Twitter a lot more than I do with Facebook. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But like my comments, I'm I'm independent. I don't I I like I went more right than I did left because somehow the left makes me want to like jump in front of a train and hoping it will take me somewhere. Um <laughs> <laughs> But um, that's how I feel. But but I am all about respecting other people's opinions too. So I'm I'm all about the Benjamins. You're all about the Benjamins, Benjamin Franklin. Well, yeah, but but, <laughs> but I want to do one more question to end this show off. And which one did you guys? I'm lost here. What you have X's everywhere. No, no, no. this is different. <laughs> oh, okay. Sides. Okay, what's this? Yeah, make it a good one, right? Yeah, I had to make it the best question in the world. What is the best question in the world? Geek? Geek out moment? Geek out moment. You want to do a geek out moment? Mm. It's more... I, I would think either geek out moment or memorabilia. Well, let's do that. Memorabilia. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. All right. So I'm a huge memorabilia que- memorabilia person. Like, I have autographs up in my room from John Carpenter, who is one of my favorite horror guys ever. So do you have any, like, piece of memorabilia that you have, like WCW days or anything like that? Yes. I do. Okay. I have an original WCW t-shirt that has, it's like my likeness on it. And it never, they never went into production for sale. But what happens when you did TV, they had like a room, they had all kinds of t-shirts and crap in it. And you could go in there and pretty much take one or two, whatever you wanted. And, uh, so I had some 
And through the years, of course, they've all pretty much disappeared. Actually, I have two of them left. Oh, really? And, uh, and those are the only things that I really, really have of, uh, of the old days. See, when you're working back in the old days, and I'm going back, you know, 30-some years, you never know that they're going to be worth anything or you're going to care or anything 30 years later. You know, yeah. um, I mean, like when I was done wrestling, I said, well, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm done. That's part of my life. that's over. I didn't know that 30 years later, somebody would call and there's these things like conventions that are going on. And all of a sudden, um, there's an interest in some of the old guys because a lot of the old guys aren't around no more. A lot of them don't want to go through the hassles of doing these conventions and travels and everything so uh so there's not that many of us left so you know who would have known if i did i would have kept all kinds of all kinds of crap and made a ton of money selling it now <laughs> dumb me so but i've got um i always turquoise was my color and it's the only uniform i ever wore up until i just really switched over by request to the 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 Hogan red and yellow type stuff. But I had a black velvet robe that had a turquoise lining. I had turquoise trunks and matching turquoise boots. And, uh, and I wore those through my career and I still have those. Now the boots, I recently dyed bright yellow to go with my Hogan gimmick, but the, uh, the robe and uh, the trunks, I can't get in anymore, but the, the robe and that I still have hanging in the closet. I was offered a thousand dollars for this robe already, but uh, it's priceless to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That is awesome. So it'll hang there. And then when something happens to me, my, you know, my wife can sell it and something or, uh, uh, give it to Goodwill or something. I don't know, but I, I can't. I just can't turn loose of those things. So my WCW shirts, my original trunks, boots, and robe, and that's all I have in the past. That is really, really awesome. You should send me a picture of the shirt. That I would love to see that. Yeah, I mean, I'll do that. That'd be awesome. I am DB Richards alongside. I'm Dave Keener, and we had Randy Hogan on the show. Hey, and don't forget about Brian over here sitting in with us tonight. Hey, Brian Bennett here. Brian Bennett <laughs> sitting in with us as well. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Whenever you want to do the promo, you're good. Okay, let me think here. All right, Randall Maniacs, 2300 Wrestling Podcast. You are here. You are there. My Randall Maniacs of the whole Random Mania universe are listening, brother, and you're in the right place. And what you're going to do when 2300 Wrestling runs wild on you? <laughs> 